So anyway, hey, could you just guys just stand your feet and just welcome Andrew as he comes to the minister tonight? It's going to be a very supernatural night. Holy Ghost. <laughs> Thank you. It's such an honour to be with you tonight. I owe your pastor a steak dinner for such kind words. Well, as you can hear, I am a Kiwi, but not really. I'm, I'm actually a kingdom son. We, we just happen to be born into pieces of dirt that we live in, but we're sons of the kingdom. We're daughters of God. Amen? Well, I'm not a daughter. I'm not gender confused, but... <laughs> Just want to be relevant. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, my wife and I, we met in New Zealand and, uh, you know, God just, God just did a really quick thing there and we moved uh, 13 years ago to California, which actually was really tough because it was right in the middle of a recession. And I had a business in New Zealand. I mean, there's a whole long story. If you come to Tent Makers, I'm going to share a little bit more of that story uh, because you have to know the background of, you have to understand the foundation of something in order to have a value system on it. And so my story kind of starts to qualify some of the things I do now, um, because anyone can say I have businesses if they came from ease. Amen? But God likes taking disadvantage and breathing life into it. But it doesn't come just because you have what I call, you guys have Amazon Prime down here? We can't have Amazon Prime faith that just says, okay, I clicked it on the screen and God's got to figure it out. And I'll sit here on the couch and wait till he does it. There's a contending that we have to start wrestling in our faith, taking a hold of God and then doing things in the natural. And Christian entitlement, I mean, you know, the nation that I'm called to right now, the United States, is just full of entitlement. Entitlement is the abuse of privilege. Entitlement is the squandering of privilege. And so we've been given all of these treasures and these keys and these tools and these crowns and all this authority that Jesus can something. If I've been marked by the power of resurrection, by the blood of the lamb, if I've been given all power and authority to trample serpents and scorpions, if I've been delegated all power in heaven and earth, by my older brother, then I should be leaving a wake when I move. Hell should be getting out the way. It's not that we're here to talk about demons, it's just that they show up. Jesus gets off the boat and get a rear and the madman comes running. It's not an equal contention, it's just we have to stand in what we're called to do. But anyways, we'll talk about that more. Uh, so I have, I have an amazing wife. She was born in the United States and she, she was in New Zealand when I met her. We met in church. We have three amazing little kids now. Our oldest nine is Benjamin and then we have twin boys, Jonathan and Joel. They're seven years old. Little sons of thunder. They're already walking and healing. We homeschool because if you send your kids to school in California, you are pretty much giving them to the devil. We're behind enemy lines. When we got there, I, the Lord told me not to sell my business in New Zealand, and so we got there and we came up on hard times because we were in a GoFundMe ministry. We were a faith couple that were just going because Jesus sent us. And so for the first couple of years in Southern California, which is supposed to be opulent and, and, and wealthy, 
there was a massive recession. Remember the big 2008 recession that hit the United States and kind of made the rest of the world get, a, get, a, get the flu? Well, we went into that and there was just no business. And so we, we really struggled. When I say no business, the, the whole, you know, you had big companies that had 20, you know, vehicles or they had huge, you know, uh, stores and everyone had shrunk down to 10% of what they were before. And so we just got there. My wife went from a university job, uh, really high-paying university job, down to picking up towels on the floor in a, in a spa. Because when Jesus sends you, you don't go for comfort. You go for obedience. And the blessing catches up in a minute. But this really weeds out. Like a lot of us want, you know, the palm tree, palm tree destinations. And geographically, where we are is pretty nice. Spiritually, it's pretty hostile. And I was made for hostile. I was crafted for darkness. I'm a child of God. But I didn't start like this. I started as a young man that grew up in a very religious church. Controlling, legalistic, no grace, no mercy, never heard about the love of God. There's a whole bunch of sin consciousness that told us that we had to hang our heads low. That God wanted to punish us if we stepped out of line. You guys, you guys ever, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because it's one of the weapons in this part of the world, religion. Hey. And so, so I grew up, my father was a preacher. And the church that I was in was a pretty large church in Auckland, New Zealand. And is this okay? I'm just going to give you guys a testimony for a little bit. And so I had a real profound reality of God's authenticity and his, and his being there. I had a consciousness of God. I had a tenderness of God. But religion took advantage of that trust and that acknowledgement and it oppressed it. And I saw hypocrisy in church. I saw terrible things. Just really bad. I don't really want to get into a whole bunch of it. But uh, for right now, we'll just say it got really disappointing. And so I, I got to a point in life where I'd seen so much really, really, really bad stuff that you should never see in church and you should never experience that I got to the point where I said, if this is God, you can keep it. I'm out. And, you know, to compound on that, part of the contributing factor was some pretty serious abuse in, in the leadership. Uh, my own father really got messed up in his life. We lost the family home. He made, we, we were doing pretty well. We didn't come from, any, from, from a whole bunch of money, but we were actually doing pretty well. We lived in the ex-British consulate home in, in Auckland, and uh, I was on track to take over the family business. Except my father was going on missions trips to orphanages in Romania, but they weren't orphanages in Romania, they were mistresses in Romania. And so there was just so much brokenness that just compounded from so many different places. We lost the family home, we lost the business, I lost my job, I lost every dollar that I ever invested in the family business, which was a lot, because I was a diligent son that trusted my father. And so this compounding pain and this perfect storm just smashed down on me. And I said, if this is God, I'm out. And I had become diligent up to that point in my life. 
And so I started to become a diligent devil. And so, so partying like an animal, out in the clubs and partying five, six nights a week, getting two hours sleep, getting up and going out to work. I worked in construction at the time, building uh, high-end homes in New Zealand. And so I'd work 60, 70, 80 hours doing that, and then I'd just be partying the rest of the time. Not because I wanted to be bad, but because I was trying to escape my pain. And I was just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the trappings and the, the, the barbed hooks of darkness and sin and just really I was crossing thresholds that for me probably would have taken me to a point of no return, possibly even not even being alive anymore. And I'm gonna tell you a story now which is where we're going tonight of how my life turned around. Is that all right? Because we serve a supernatural king. See, I grew up in a church where I never saw anybody get healed of cancer. I never saw any powerful miracles. I never saw people cast out demons. I never saw miracles of multiplication or anyone living in a supernatural life. And so I would have this tension in me and this, this frustration because I would diligently read the book I'd be an ax and say, why is everyone getting healed? Why are people being raised from the dead? And everyone in our church dies of cancer. Big church, 1,000 people. Everyone dies of cancer. If you ask questions, they come at you. And so I had this building tension in my youth, but now I'm just running from everything. And I believe that God wants to destroy me because the representation of the leadership that I grew up under was my filter of who God looked like. And the way they treated me was the way that I believe God wanted to treat me. That was the expression because I trusted that they were close to God. Is this okay? We can have a little bit of story time? Okay, cool. Just checking. And so I was actually a project manager up in a place called Bora Bora, Tahiti. Have you ever heard of it? Really, really nice place. And I was miserable there. Gorgeous place, but I was just miserable, I was dead on the inside, dying. Beautiful 60-foot crystal clear turquoise water, 100 manta rays swimming by the boat every morning while we went out to work, just, but miserable. Lost, broken. Oh, by the way, when I left my church, my, my mother dis, disassociated from me. I lost every friend I ever had. The family was completely broken, and I was just lost. This is what religion does, guys. Aren't you blessed you're in an amazing house where freedom is? I just want to say that I have known your pastor for about five, six years. It's got to be about five, six years. We get on like a house on fire. And I love him, and I appreciate him. And you've got an authentic man of God there. And I, I just want to... I just want to I'm not into flattery, but I'm into honor. And so I just want to recognize, and, I, and I've been around your team, some of your team today, and you've got a really healthy leadership team, and that's something to thank God for. Sometimes when you're around good home cooking, a dirty burger seems attractive, doesn't it? But you can't beat home cooking. You've got good cooking in this house. Just want to recognize that. So anyways, I was, in, I was in Bora Bora, Tahiti, 
and I was just in pain, smoking and drinking and all the stuff. I was ticking all the boxes that 21 years of, of church had told me were bad and the world told me was good. And I was so messed up. I was out dancing, chasing women, the whole thing. And I'm just miserable. And so so, so we, would, we, we were doing this massive project. It was like a couple of hundred million US at the time. Um, 112 bungalows out on poles. You know the ones that have poles that have the glass floors that you pay like four or 5,000 a night? It's insane. Anyways, so I was out there building those and overseeing those projects. And one night I was asleep in my bed. By the way, actually, just, just want to qualify this. In my pain, I took up five mixed martial arts. I was into cage fighting. And I was so into the party scene that I thought, you know what, I'm, you know, my dad's lost everything, I've got to try and get back up on top in life, so I might as well be a bouncer and enjoy the, get paid to be in the clubs that I like to be in. Can you imagine? So, so I had this very aggressive, I wasn't ever violent, but I had a very aggressive nature. And so no one ever pushed me around because I was hurt. So I'm asleep in my bed in Tahiti. I just needed to profile that. I was asleep in my bed in Tahiti in my room and I'm a very alert, aware person. I'm the guy that's gonna sit in the back of the restaurant with my back to the wall and watch the room. Just, it's just how I am. And, <laughs> and I... I became startled and I sat up in my bed and two seven-foot angels walked through the door panels. Not through the door, <laughs> through the door panels. They're seven-foot. They're wearing white robe, five-inch sash like a belt around their waist. Powerful beings carrying the presence of God. I didn't quite understand it all at that point, but they were carrying God's presence. Did you notice my world just got interrupted? I didn't ask for it. I wasn't in church. I wasn't seeking God. So I'm sitting up in my bed and they both walk in side by side and they are like, I am. It just stops everything. And, and, and I know this is a really amazing house. You guys are deep in encounter and, and open heavens and portals and, and prophetic and, and all the amazing stuff. So you guys, are, you guys are blessed. You guys are enriched. What I discovered was that a lot of the times people get really enamored with angels because of the glory they carry, but really those angels are just before the throne of God getting, getting marinated and, and, and immersed in his presence. And so when they come out from his presence, they're like someone that has cologne that is now pouring that cologne out. And so we sometimes get confused with God's presence and angels' presence because of where the angels have been. And that's what needs to happen to us. We need to get into his presence so that we carry so much presence that hell gets confused. So anyways, I have these two angels walk into this house, walk into this bedroom, and I'm sitting up. Now you've got to remember, I'm not privileged with the information and the teaching and the modeling that you guys have. I have religion for 21 years. That means you go into the principal's office and you go into hell. Tracking? 
So, so, so these two angels walk in and one of them says, you're coming with us. And because of the way I was, I'm paying attention to the guy who's not talking because that's the dangerous one. That's the guy that you have to get the right hook in at the last minute. But these beings were so powerful, I could not argue, I could not push against them, I couldn't resist. I literally came out of my mouth and I said, I'm coming with you. Just like that. Just like that. You think you can fight God. You ain't gonna, he's not gonna win that fight. And so I get up and I begin to walk and they stand either side of me like a military escort. And I look back round at my bed and there's me laying there. And I'm like, that's not supposed to happen. (laughs) You get demons if that happens because that's how I've been taught. See, religion doesn't actually get to be in charge of how the world works. Religion's just speculating because they lost relationship. Is that okay? I, I hate religion a lot. And I just want to stomp on it for the rest of my life if that's agreeable with you. So we'll put a couple of, couple of heel kicks in and we'll leave it there. So, so I'm with these angels now and they're either side of me. I'm laying in the bed, but I'm here. And we're walking through the door panels. And I am tripping out. And by the way, guys, the one thing that I didn't do when I was backslidden was drugs. This wasn't some weird flashback or some like, you know, OD or something. This wasn't that. Because I'd seen friends of mine die of drugs, so that was a no-no for me. So this wasn't some like, oh yeah, he was partying a little too hard. He'd been, uh... no, it wasn't that. I was fully in my right mind. We walked out through the door about 30, 40 paces. And then all of a sudden we continued walking, but we were stepping on steps that I couldn't see. And it was an invisible staircase is about the best way. It was a completely cloaked, whatever you want to call it with your language. It was an invisible staircase that just went up. And it went up for miles. Now, I wasn't in the earth realm anymore. I was in the heavenly realm. I was in the spiritual realm. So immediately when I had that encounter, I came out of time. So I'm seeing time around me, but I'm not interacting with it. It's kind of out there, isn't it? It's like looking into a snow globe. So we're walking up this stairwell, that I, the stairway that I can't see. Angels either side of me. You know what's really messed up for me in this part of the story? Is they just stop talking. It kind of becomes pretty... You start, the insecurity starts building quite a bit. So we're walking up the stair for a very, very, very long time, up past the clouds, out into the stratosphere, and across whatever NASA can't get to. <laughs> well, leave that there as well. But I'll just drop little pebbles for you. If you want to pick them up and run with them, that's completely up to you. But I'm just going to drop them. So... We're walking and walking and walking and these angels aren't saying a word. And at some point in this non-earth timeline of this event rolling out, 
we come to this place that I can only describe to you as something that looks like the Grand Canyon. Except what I began to realize really quickly is that these bodies, they dull our spirits. They dim our senses and they limit our function of who we really are. And so just to define that, your, your, the sensory, the sensory uh, gifts that you currently have, like sight, are so dulled down here that in that state, I could look at the moon and I could focus in on a grain of dust and see the facets in that grain of dust. The other side's better. This is the rental car. I'm gonna run it hard. And I'm gonna leave no gas in the tank. Is that all right? I'd encourage you to do the same. So anyways, let's, let's keep moving with this. So, so we get to this, this place and it looks like a Grand Canyon. Now, we are not now talking Earth. So the distances were not anything like Earth. On Earth, I believe the average horizon that you can kind of map is around 13 or 14 miles. Sorry, I've been in America so long, I'm in miles and inches now. It's a, tra it's a travesty. Look what they've done to me. <laughs> but it's about 13 or 14 miles. And so there, I could see for hundreds of miles. And so this canyon wasn't like the Grand Canyon. This canyon was like 30 miles wide in the chasm. And each side paralleled the other and went as far as I could see. We were walking on the right-hand side, going that way. And I had an angel either side of me. The chasm was so deep that it didn't have an end. It's about the best way I can describe it to you. In this world now, there's things that you can't explain. Guys, this happened to me just over 20, 22, 23 years ago, and I still have problem with language to describe it because there's some things there that our language cannot frame. We cannot describe it properly. So I'll use some words, but they're just not the full expression of what actually was there. And so what I can tell you is this canyon, it dropped down forever into a dark mist, into then that went into a deeper black mist, that went into a black nothing of dark evil. And, you know, I told you that I was into some pretty crazy stuff. It was so evil down there. It was so hideous and so eternally dark that I physically in my spirit body could not look down because I'm usually the crazy person. But I physically couldn't look down there. All I knew, it was like some kind of gateway to hell. You guys ever remember, do you guys have the chick tracks here way back in the day, those little comic books that that guy, you guys, some of you are gonna know, some of you are gonna be like, mm -mm, I have no idea what you're talking about. There were these little comic tracks that were like evangelism comics called chick tracks. And there was one of them that I read when I was a kid called The Great Divide. You guys ever see that one? The picture of the Great Divide where there's a canyon and there's a cross going across. Remember that? You guys ever seen that? That's a real place and I was there. And so we were walking along this canyon and I am 
freaked out of my mind because I'm going to judgment in my mind. And we're walking for an incredible amount of time and all of a sudden I see this, what I can only describe to you as a sonic shockwave coming through the air, just right across my, my peripheral vision. This, it's this purple shockwave, like a pulse. And it's coming at me and I think it's gonna knock me over and as it gets closer and closer, it hits me in my chest and it runs down into the bottom of my feet, out to my toes, out to the tips of my fingers and to the top of my head and it's love. And it's love like I've never experienced. And it's laced, it's like, it's love but it came from Jesus and I knew exactly who it came from. And all the insecurity, something started to shift and then I saw another one coming goes into me and it's acceptance. So rejected, so, so cast out, so insecure, so broken. And I just feel restoration in my being. Not in my mind, not a teaching that I had, not a class I attended, in my spirit. And then joy hits me. Next wave. Hope hits me. Sound familiar? And so there's about six to seven of these waves that hit me. And they filled my being. They literally, they didn't touch my skin. It wasn't goosebumps. They filled my being. And by the time that this, these different waves had hit me, I, I, was, I was tangibly in a different state as an individual. And I started getting excited rather than afraid. And I started kind of getting like a, a five-year-old at a birthday party. And I started saying to the angels, where's Jesus, where's my Jesus? Just like that. Angels didn't say anything, which is really concerning. <laughs> it's like they weren't enjoying it. They're just super stoic. <laughs> Anyways, we keep walking. And all of a sudden, I see, remember this canyon's like 30 miles wide. This thing's huge. It's about the best way I can describe it to you. It's something in that category. We keep walking, and because my eyesight's so good, somewhere at some distance way out ahead is this white beam that's made of one piece of pearl. I don't know how I can tell you that, but that's what I saw. When you, when you are in that state, I'm just gonna, you probably know this, but I'm just gonna say it anyways, because it's what I discovered. And if you don't know it, then I'm gonna share what I discovered. When you're in that state, you have a perception of everything. And I think possibly that that's how Adam named the animals. Because God's never made anything that he didn't know. It's just that God hadn't verbalized it on the earth. And so Adam, before his sin, was in a perfect state that when he saw the giraffe, he knew it was a giraffe and he said it out of his mouth. That's my opinion. I'm not here to preach it as doctrine, but my experience was that when I was in that encounter with heaven, that I, was, I had an, innate, a, 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 an intimate understanding of what things were. And so this, this beam, um, the best way I can describe it was probably a couple of hundred feet across. So it was like a 12-lane highway in the United States. On the top and down, literally square, like a, like a beam 
of one piece of pearl and it spanned from one side like a bridge all the way some 30 something miles as a, as a fictitious idea. And then right in the middle, right as an underpinning in the very middle of that beam, another one of those pieces of pearl beam just took it underneath and dropped all the way and disappeared down into that darkness. I didn't even know where it finished. And so you had this kind of almost like a, a capital T. Not like the cross. It was like capital T. But where you'd think the top of the cross would come up, there was this white tent. And it looked like some beautiful marquee tent that you would see in the Crusades. But as soon as I, it was beautiful and white. And as soon as I saw it, I knew and recognized that that was the tent of meeting. And as soon as I saw and recognized that that was the tent of meeting, I knew that that's where we were going. And as soon as I knew that that's where we were going, we translated there. We just, me and the angels, just And we're standing about 20 feet. And so the cool part is, is that while we were translating, we were still walking. So it just happened like, so we didn't like stop and it just, and we're there. And so we're still walking and right about at the 20 foot mark, like here to that wall, the, the hand comes through the flap on the side of the tent and pushes it aside just like that. And there's Jesus. And he's wearing a beautiful white robe. And uh, I like tasteful clothing. But he was wearing the most chic and regal. Everything about him was distinguished. Everything about, he wasn't a, I said, I said it a little while back, he wasn't a skinny, gaunt little man. He's, he's bigger than me. And his hair is beautiful. He had sandals. I'm not a big Roman sandal guy. And I apologize if you are, but I'm, I'm not really a big Roman sandal guy, but I, I, I saw his, everything about him is beautiful. And it's, it's the most tasteful, fashionable stuff. Not in a worldly sense, but just in a, everything's beautifully designed. But his eyes, his eyes will wreck you. And he looked me straight in the eyes and his eyes burn with love. And he looked, he, he didn't take his attention off me, he just looked straight into my being. And he walks towards me and he just says, Andrew, I love you. And he held me. And everything in me melted. And I figured something out in that moment that those waves were amazing, but there is an essence. I've never heard people talk about this. I've heard it alluded to in kind of a poetic type song, but I've never heard anyone talk about this, but there is an essence that, that tangibly comes out of the being of God in heaven. And it's, it's this, it's, it's him. But when you're, when you're with him, it goes into your spirit being like a missing piece of a puzzle or a missing chromosome that you never had, and you realize I am complete, I was made to be here with you. I wasn't made for anything else. Anything else is lesser. You are who and what I was made to be with and exist with.
It's the most exhilarating elixir, if I could say it with cheap words. It's like the most potent drug, if I could use very crass words, but I don't have any other language for it, that goes into your spirit and fills every part of you. And if it was ever to be taken away from you, you'd be ruined for everything. And I'm meeting a Jesus I'd never been told about. And I'm wrecked, but I'm excited and I'm not unwelcome. And he shows me dignity. And I'm also thinking of just 24 hours ago, I'm just being a devil. And he doesn't condemn me. And he says, come with me. And I watched the two angels in my peripheral vision hover about two feet off the floor and they flew away like, like fighter jets. Just like that, they just lightning speed. So it's just me and Jesus with no one else. And he walks me inside the tent and when we get inside the tent, it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. See, our idea of metrics and measuring and time, none of that stuff works in heaven, it's just better. It's good real estate. <laughs> so, is someone getting something tonight? I'm just, this is a very intimate story for me. I don't share it lightly. And I, don't always, and I don't share it a whole bunch, but the Lord's been having me share it a little bit. And so I want to share it with you tonight. I felt like that's what I'm supposed to do. So, because I don't want it to be cheap. It's not a gimmick to validate me. It just, I want to invite you into intimacy with Jesus. Because knowledge is amazing, encounters are amazing, and, and angelic stuff's amazing, and prophecy's amazing, and biblical revelation's amazing, but Jesus is the prize. He's the prize. When I have Jesus as my prize, then revelation just gets validated and real and gets richer. Encounters become phenomenal when Jesus is my prize. And... and yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. But There's nothing in the tent. There's just golden sand on the floor. That's it. There's no furniture. There's no, there's no pictures. There's no paintings. There's no art. There's no frames. There's just sand. And so we sit down cross-legged in the sand, just next to each other. He's here, and I'm here. And we talk for what I can describe to you as about eight to nine hours of conversation. If I was to sit down with you and, and kind of gauge a volume of conversation, it felt like about eight to nine hours of, of conversating. Because I was so broken. I'd been told so many rules. We were, we were told that if women didn't wear hats in church, they'd get demons. If you go to the movies, you get demons. Like, you know, if you raise your hands in church, you might have a demon. Like, like it was crazy. Religion stinks. And so I just had all these questions because I was like, I don't even know what's right and wrong anymore. And that's, how, that's what religion will do to you. It, was, it, will ta- it will take you and it will spin you around so you don't even know what's correct. And you're doing things because you've been told, not because you believe. And so I'm asking Jesus all these questions. And, and I can tell you the wisdom that he walks in it's so profound that it's just 
God will do something in your life 20 years ago so it matures for the day that you need it. He said things to me in that encounter that I didn't, I thought I knew what he was talking about and it made sense and it helped me in that moment. But 10 years later, it's like two layers of the onion came off and I got a whole new meaning on it and it really helped me then. And then another five years later, layers come on and I'm seeing deeper into the onion. Because God speaks in layers. That's why you can read the, the scriptures. You can go through the Bible a thousand times and get fresh word every single time that you didn't see last time. Because God is layered in what he does. And so anyways, we, we keep talking for hours and hours and I'm asking him all kinds of things. And there comes a point where what he does is he just takes his two fingers like a Jedi. I mean, Jesus isn't like a Jedi. The Jedi's trying to be like Jesus. But he points his two fingers at the tent wall. And I begin to see clips of my life. I see segments for every year of life that I've been on the earth. I see myself as a, as a, as a, as a baby. I see myself as a toddler kneeling at the bed, praying at bed, bedtime. I see myself as a five-year-old leading a friend to, to Jesus in the playground. I see my teen years coming on, difficulties, pain. I see, you know, lust and all this stuff started to hit me as a young man. And I'm just like, I'm doing the sideways look at Jesus because now like things are getting real. Like we, we got past all the small talk for the last few hours. And now you're showing me stuff that I'm not, you know, you're Jesus, you're holy, you rose on the cross. And uh, this is me. And it's not good. But there's just no condemnation. He's just calm, collected. He's just showing me stuff. Two fingers. And so I'm like the kid that just went to the room. I'm about to get a spank. And you're like, is it going to be like a real bad one or is it just going to be a little one? Like, what's happening? Like, just, just being real with you guys. Like, I'm not here to be sanctimonious. I'm here to be honest. We just need real. And so, so Je Jesus, he just carries on talking for a little bit after this, after this video. And I'm kind of like, well, okay, what's happening? This is definitely a setup. I know a sales pitch when I see one. Like, this is coming to a head. And he just picks up a construction pencil. You guys know those construction pencils? You guys have Bunnings here? You know, those little rectangular the construction pencil? And, and he looks at me, and this is the part we need to pay attention to here, because this is where it gets bumpy. He gets the pencil, and he goes, Andrew, real calm, not angry. He goes, there, there, there are times where we've had really, really sweet fellowship and communion. And he said, and there are times where you've cheapened it with the little things that you've done. He didn't say bad sins, he said little things that you've done. That you've cheapened our relationship. That was the language he used with me. And as he said that, he took the pencil and with two thumbs, he pushed it. And it was like high definition, slow-mo action movie. The paint, the wood, and the lead just started to go and as that's happening, see, God is so wise that the Bible says that the judgments of God are true. What that means is, is when God makes a judgment, that's absolute. So Jesus used symbology to show me something rather than speaking it out. Because if he had have spoken it out, I would have died right there. I'm very sure of that. And I would have been taken out of his presence. So as he's, as he's doing that, all of the essence 
that was in my spirit that came from being with him was literally sucked out of my spirit. All of that love, that joy, that acceptance, that peace, you know that stuff that hit me when those sonic waves, they got sucked out of my spirit and I went into the opposite. And I started, I remember we're sitting on the sand floor that's on the pearl beam that's above that great divide, black, dark, evil that I can't even look at. And I'm sitting there, my lips meld together. People think they're gonna tell God how it is. People think they're gonna argue with God and plead their case. You're not even gonna be able to say a word. And I started getting sucked. I was paralyzed. I was getting sucked through the floor and I could feel it. And I knew what was beneath me. And words like terror and fear and horror do not even begin to frame the, the, the experience that a person will have when they get sent out of the presence of God. Because when you're in his presence, you realize this was my purpose. This is who I was made to be. And, and here's, the, here's the part that really convicts me and causes me to feel very, very sober, is that every single person, whether they accepted Jesus or they rejected him, will go and stand before his presence and judgment day, and they will feel that essence touch their spirit, and they will recognize for a moment who they were supposed to be. And I can tell you, as I was getting sucked through that beam, that was more terrifying for me than the flames that were down there. It's sobering, huh? I like to laugh and goof around. I like to have a good time. But this is just, this, is, this, this has radically gripped my life. And I'm getting sucked down. My lips, are, my, lips, my lips are completely sealed and I feel myself getting pulled down into the darkness of eternal damnation and there is no hope, there is no second chance, there is no coming back. And all I can think in my mind is mercy. I don't even really know what mercy is because I've never seen it. And as soon as I thought the word mercy... It's like Jesus, he looked, he didn't look in my eyes, he was looking here. And it was like he could see the word like a billboard, like a digital billboard on my head, my forehead. And as soon as he saw the word mercy, he smiled. And he put the pencil back together and all the shards came flying back in reverse and glued back in like it was never broken. And he just put it down. And I came back sitting next to him and all the goodness in his presence and essence and all the love, joy and the mercy and the peace just came into my being and somehow that it, it kind of lightly traumatized me but because it was so good again it was like kind of we just carried on but I was sitting there like what happened like help me God but you're right here but at the same time I need an inner healing class <laughs> all right you know so so, <laughs> so <laughs> so I was just absolutely captivated at the goodness and mercy of God, and yet I was gripped by his severity at the same time. But you taste the mercy of God and it changes you. And so we talked for a few more hours that it felt like, not, not real hours for, for the scholars out there, because there's no time there. Not like this anyways. And then he says to me, Andrew, I wanna show you something. And he, 
he takes me into a moment in the future of my life. Time travel is 100% kingdom, guys. You can tap heaven and see the future. And he took me into the future and he showed me my life and not specifically the timeline, but I saw myself working in the kingdom as an older man. And he turned to me and he looked and he said, Andrew, he said, would you help me to save thousands? And quiet, Siri, you've got nothing to say here. <laughs> um, he looked at me and he said, Andrew, would you help me save thousands and thousands of sheep? I'm so wrecked by the goodness of God at this point. I said, Jesus, I'll do anything for you. I love you. And he just smiled like a businessman that closed the deal. Like God is a businessman. And he goes, thank you, Andrew. He said, great. He goes, well, it's time for you to go back now. And I said, Jesus, I, don't, I, I wanna be here with you. Like this is where I wanna be. I found why I, why, I, why I exist, why you made me. And within a split second, I woke back up in my body in, my, in that bedroom and I was on a path that changed my life from there. It still wasn't easy. There was still a track playing out and, and there, was a, there was a process that God was needing to train me and shape me and get some sanctification going. I still smelt like cigars and all that good stuff. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, he was helping me in the process. And so, so you know, I just want to invite you by sharing this story. My story was I was probably either not going to be alive or I was going to be heavily committed into some real bad darkness. I had no one that could get to me and Jesus himself came. You know, in Jeremiah, it talks about woe to the shepherds that haven't healed the sheep, that haven't fed them, that haven't bound up their bruises and healed their, healed their wounds, that have taken care of themselves. It says, therefore, I will come, says the Lord, and I will be their shepherd, and I will lead them to green pastures, and I will heal their bruises, and I will bind up their wounds. And that's what Jesus did for me in that moment. And I just want to invite you, because sharing this story is opening, it's opening an atmosphere of your life that you can pull on the intimacy. You can pull, the Bible says that, you know, the prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so I, I'm just wanting to release this over you and, and really, if I could say anything, if, if, if you're listening to this, that, that the greatest thing that Jesus was paying attention to was not how many people I'd raised from the dead, not how many miracles. He did want me to do things, but the thing he wanted was how I stewarded his heart and how I built the relationship that I had with him. And so the, the, the way that we... we the way that we change, and I know this house is a very apostolic house, so I'm not here to teach you the ABCs, but the way that we change nations, the way that we change cities, the way we drive darkness out of regions is by becoming intimate lovers. Intimacy is power. The witches, the warlocks, the Satanists, the New Ages, they're giving up all kinds of things. They're doing all kinds of acts to get power that Jesus has already given us a better version of. But intimacy is the fuel that makes that power authentic. 
And in Ephesians, in Ephesians we know that, that the ascension gifts, that's the language you guys use in this house, the ascension gifts is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And I just really feel tonight that God's calling us back afresh because I'll tell you right now, anyone can learn a gift. Anyone can get around and, and learn a gift, get, get even some anointing on their heads. But you can't learn intimacy, you have to be intimate. And so whether you're really intimate with Jesus now, here's the amazing thing. There is no, there is no top tier of intimacy that you can't have more. God is a consuming God. He's a jealous God. And so no matter where you're at in life, whether you're feeling like, man, I'm a little dry in my spirit, or man, I just, I'm just having an amazing romance with Jesus. He is inviting us in deeper. Because, you know, I'm, I'm gonna talk about, you know, we're gonna have an awesome time with the men on Friday night. I'm gonna be with the, with the, the school uh, tomorrow morning. On Saturday, I'm gonna talk to you about things that I've literally had like full downloads. God's given me blueprints. We've patented products worldwide. All that stuff's amazing. He's given me business models when the enemy came in and just, just decimated everything around me that caused me to be able to move forward and, and make money. money. Money's just a tool, just a vehicle. But intimacy, is the, it's the gem, it's the, it's the treasure. All of that other stuff is amazing, but it has to come from a place of intimacy. Amen? So we're gonna stand to our feet right now if that's all right. And we're just gonna call on heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we're asking you that you would mark us tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're a spirit of holiness and intimacy, and you mark us. You mark us, you anoint us, you appoint us, you call us, you choose us. Tonight we're saying afresh, Jesus have all of me. Jesus have all of me. I don't wanna live out of gifting, I wanna live out of intimacy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.